no quiero luchar Ya no quiero pelear Hago un lado las armas en las que confiaba Y te dejo ganar Me ha vencido tu amor Y tu buen corazón a tus pies y decirte te doy el control vengo hasta la cruz a rendirme si quieres hoy recibirme vengo a caer a tus pies y a decirte por siempre eres tú mi señor hoy te
you for one another, regardless. Because now, like I said earlier, it's not just cabin fever. Now, y'all who are not used to, and even myself, not used to being there 24-7, the kids doing school, internet going down because, you know, there's too many people online at the same time. Kids picking at each other, you know, husband and wife. In other words, there's so much. There's so much that will get to you. So pray for each other's families. Call each other. Please do that. Call each other. Call. It will, even though we cannot see each other in person and, and gather and hug, when you hear somebody else's voice, and this is medically true, it lifts up your spirit. So imagine being isolated for so long. We also are, are beings that require touch. But at least we can hear each other's voice. A text, a text, you cannot put an expression to it. You cannot understand the thought behind that text. You don't know what kind of mentality that person might have been when you saw that text. You don't know, you know what kind of attitude or they meant it in an angry way or in a joyful way. So call each other. I encourage you to do that. Call each other. I know there's so much stuff that you probably have on your hands now, especially those who are still working and now having to juggle with kids being at home and it's, you know, more meals to prepare and so on and so on. Call somebody. Call somebody. Just ask them, hey, I'm here. Let me know what you need. Literally, actually, for reals, let me know what you need. And... And if somebody receives a call, hey, you see it's one of the brethren, answer the call. Get away. Yes, you're going to say, you know what, I'm too busy right now to, to answer. Just just run into the restroom. Even though it may seem awkward, run to the backyard. Answer the call. You may not see, see it as being a blessing, but it might be a blessing to the other person to want to speak to you. All right? Now... All this craziness that's going on out there, this, you know, COVID-19 and what Trump said or didn't say or what the administration is doing or not doing and then people getting on each other's nerves. If you've only been seen and look at it, looking at it that way, you're missing a lot. Everything that's going on has something to do with spiritual attack. Spiritual warfare. Whether you voted or didn't vote for the mayor, the president, the you know whoever it is, it has nothing to do about them. Yes, they're saying certain things, but remember what I said. I believe it was last week to see it through this lens, the lens, this lens about what's going on out there. Yes, get informed, turn on the news, hear what they have to say. Turn it off. Don't dwell on it for you know a whole day listening to the news. Because all you're gonna hear is bad news. You know, sometimes at home we're listening to NPR, sometimes we're listening to local radio stations, and so on and so on. And all the time, every time I switch it on, that's all there is, that's all there is. COVID-19, thousands of people's lives are lost. And the president said this, the president said that. How how you know you're gonna get injected with Lysol. Turn it off. Turn it off. And, and again, 
Filter everything through the Bible. Look at it from the Bible's point of view. Jesus warned us in the last days. In the last days. How close are we to the last days? All these things, these famines. And, and the COVID-19 is not the only thing that's going on around the world. There's so many things that are happening that are blinding us from praying even about what's going on in Israel. What's going on in other countries, the famines that are going on, praying for them. What's going on even down the street from your, from where you live? Your family, your brethren, what's going on with them? So pray for one another. Pray with each other. With each other. Even though you cannot be there present with one another. And again, me personally, I would like for us to be back again here. So that we can be with each other, praying with each other, for one another, hearing God's words. Now, I'm also going to ask you to pray for my family. And it's not just about my family, you know, the pastoral attacks that I get because I'm the pastor. There's so much going on in our family dynamics that it's, you know, for somebody who is not safe, they're probably heard of probably by now, but, you know, gone, gone nuts. But those of you who are aware of specific details, thank you. Thank you for praying for our family. And those of you, uh, one day soon, I'll be able to share everything, all the dynamics that have been happening these past few days, months, these past few months, actually. Uh, so, you know, the month of February till now. Please, please. Pray, pray, and even more so now also because now that I thought I had a schedule set to be able to study, that schedule is being, you know, infiltrated. The enemy wants to stop all kinds of things that, you know, as you know, the, the worship. Somebody requested that, and I've had so many issues. The, the, the computer has shut down, frozen. The internet has gone down. There's so many things that are happening. Why? Because it's a spiritual thing. So keep praying for, for all the ministry of Calvary Chapel. First um, Peter chapter 3. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 3. Let me pray for the message so that we can get into the actual study. Um, yes, I believe that's, that's all I have to say for now. Father, we gather before you, Lord Jesus. Come before you. Separated physically, Lord, but joined together as one in your spirit, Father, the Holy Spirit, that he is the one that brings us together, Lord, that he gathers us, Lord. Father, by the same Holy Spirit, I pray that as I'm speaking here, Lord, he is ministering to others wherever they are at, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, wherever you're at, I want to be able to hear you down the street. Amen. Amen. So even though we're not able to say one to one, hi one to another, turn to the person that's next to you and even wave at them. Hi. You know, hello. All right. Join me reading together, uh, starting in verse 1 of 1 Peter. First no, Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Wives. 
Likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who, for he who will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. The faith of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is, the, who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of the threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a, a, a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct is Christ. In Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, <clears throat> who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype, antitype, which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to to him. This chapter 
we begin to see or actually learn what Peter kind of hinted at the beginning of the study, speaking about suffering. Now, during this past few studies, we have not fully seen what the suffering that he hinted was about or is going to be about. And he didn't do it to build us up and, and all of a sudden, boom, this is what's going to happen to you. No, so that we have an understanding of what will be coming as a believer. Everybody, everybody, whether you're a believer or not, everybody has trials. The difference is, is that if you're saved, you're not going through them alone. That's the huge difference. That is the difference. Now, the chapter that we're starting here, Peter begins addressing the wife's or the wife's submission to the husband. He does it in the first six verses. But then verse 7, he only uses one verse to address the husbands. Now, it is not that Peter or God are misogynists. That's not what it is. No, what God through Peter is doing is he's being gentle. Remember, Peter used to be a rough, rugged fisherman. An everyday average Joe being out there, you know, probably cussing, using crude language. But now God is using him to be gentle, speaking to the women. And he's going into detail. That's why there's six verses. And even at that, six verses is probably not enough to be able to understand, not understand, but be able to explain fully from the point of view, from the mind of a man. Man, he only uses one verse because we can only hear so much, we can only speak so much that you're going to lose us. We're going to be like, what? As opposed to the ladies. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing the ladies, not everyone. Some, you know, like my wife, she just like get to the point and that's it. Just tell me yes or no, this and that, that's it. Don't tell me stories. <laughs> but that's what God is doing through Peter. He's being gentle with the ladies, and that's why he took six, six verses to say back to us, why be submissive, and he gave an explanation as opposed to the husbands, love your wife, boom, that's it. Now, these verses speaking about submission, and the word submission sounds heavy. We automatically think like, I have to, I have to be oppressed, I have to be under somebody's thumb, or under somebody's boot. The word submission simply means falling under proper rank. And these verses that we're about to cover are not meant for the unbelieving world. He's speaking to married people, and at least one of them is a believer. So he's speaking to believing marriages. The world can make up all kinds of rules and, and uh prenups and so on and so on. This is speaking to the wives who is a believer. Be submissive. Submitting to him, your husband. And in reality, you're submitting to Jesus himself. Now verse 1, I know that we covered partially verse 1 last week, but let me begin again. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husband, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. So he's saying like
doing the same. In other words, in the same way, in the same manner, or just like Jesus, as chapter 2, verse 21 through 25, Christ suffered, it says here, suffered, leaving us, you, me, an example to follow his steps. And you, wife, may be asking yourself, so I'm supposed to suffer? Is that what you're telling me? No, 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 that's not what I mean. That's not what the Bible is saying, but... Your husband is not the best, right? We already know that. Husbands, when you are dating, when you meet, when you met your wife for the very first time, you put on your best clothes. You probably, you know, ironed them and used the, you know, the whole spray can of starch to to press your pants and so on and so on. You bought the best cologne. You're impressed. You spoke your best. You, you impressed her, and you used to be a great listener. You used to understand. You wouldn't even criticize your wife, or at the time she wasn't your wife, but you didn't criticize her. You used to say, honey, look, I'll open the door for you. I'll pick that up for you. You know, now it's the opposite. You know, you're like, what? I'm, I'm watching ESPN, or it's my turn to whatever, watch this, watch that, especially now, there's so much time in our hands, right? He probably has or has had a to-do list that is not even halfway done yet. <laughs> probably he leaves his dirty laundry, you know, throughout the room or even sometimes throughout the house. There's... He's not the best. He's not the best, but you know what? And even here's another thing. You might even be concerned about certain actions that he does or, or the lack of certain things he does not do. You may be concerned about your financial security, especially right now. What's going on with the bills? Are they being paid? What's going on? And if he doesn't communicate, you wife may be concerned, may be afraid. But look at chapter 2, verse 21. The first part says, For this you will call. For to this you will call. Call to what? Call to, to suffer, to be worried, to pull your hair out. All of us, at one point or another, think about this, have prayed. Father, Use me. Teach me to follow your will. Lead me into your will, Father. And since I'm addressing wives right now, what if, what if your husband is an unbeliever? What if your husband is being disobedient? He's not following the word of God. What if he doesn't even open the Bible claiming to be a believer? Then you, the believing wife, by your gentle, loving, peaceful conduct, you were called for to this your call to reel him in to Christ, to Jesus' presence, to be saved. And what does that look like? How will that come to pass? We'll look at verse 2. When they observe your conduct, when they observe your chaste, 
accompanied by fear. Now the fear that is being spoken about is not a terror, terrified fear, but the NIV version of this verse says, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, when they see the husband, when the husband sees the purity of your reverence, meaning that your submission, not as an authority, but under the submission, you submissive to the will of Jesus, the will of God for your life. Yes, yes, it is scary. It is scary to trust somebody who has previously hurt you emotionally and sometimes even physically has deceived you. Yes, sadly enough, I did this to my wife before I got saved. And even after I got saved, I deceived her so much. Not because I hated her, even though I would think that in my mind. And I would blame everything on her. But in reality, what I was doing, I was wrestling. I was fighting against his will. I didn't want to submit. I didn't want to be under the submission of a God that I didn't even know. And for you, each one of you ladies... You have your own doubts. I'm sure you have a list of things. Maybe some of you have written down. Maybe some of you are just here. You have your own doubts. When, when he says, your husband, for those who claim to be believers, when he says the Lord is moving in, in this direction this week, and the next week is a new adventure, or when he tells you, especially right now, you know, I, I, I think the Lord is telling me that I wish you'll invest in stocks. You know, the, the face mask stocks, this kind of face mask. I think that's what the Lord is telling And next week, it's a new, brand new, you know, direction. No, I think the Lord wants us to do this now. You know, I lost all the money, so I think he wants us to do this now. But that's scary. You know, bouncing from one thing to another. Or you may have your, your concerns. Because... He may claim to be a believer, but he hardly or not at all opens the Bible for himself, let alone opens the Bible to read to you, wife, to you, your children, to you as a family. Or he says, you know what? Y'all go ahead and pray. Uh, I'll wait. You know, it's your turn to pray when it's time to even just to say grace. Maybe even reluctant to come to church. Of course, we cannot gather at church right now. But even now, you know, he's probably still in bed, asleep. Oh, I stayed up too late last night. Uh, I'll play the, the video later on. Right? But you, wife, to this you were called to submit. And again, the word submission being placed or you taking your ranking place. Subject. It's a military word. The military has different ranks. And you, the wife, taking your rank under your husband, God being the head of the rest, you know, of Jesus, and Jesus being over the husband and the husband over the wife. Some of you, um, some of you know Andy. Andy, we, we see him at least once a year. We either see him if you go to Joy of Jesus 
or if it, you know, sometimes he joins us for, for Nana Bibles. He's a man whose ministry, his ministry, he's called to live among the homeless people. Those people that, that we get to hear stories about when we do get to see Andy, uh, he tells us, you know, a lot of these people choose to live in the streets. They don't want to be under, you know, they don't want to submit to any kind of authority. So they choose to live homeless. Everybody has to answer to somebody, right? Young adults, when they leave the home, after being at home under the, you know, the rules and the, and, and the, the dynamics of the family, when they leave their home, they feel like, all right, you know what? That was them. That was my parents. That was their home. Now, I have nobody that's going to tell me what time I can come home or what I can or cannot do, who I should talk to and not talk to. But when that happens, because you're no longer under anybody's authority, oftentimes, or too often, actually, I should say, they fall. They fall. Once they leave their home and all this is happening, they, they fall, no rules, no curfews. And sadly enough, it happens too often. Go to the book of Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Starting in verse 21. It says, Submitting to one another in fear of God. And the word fear is not terror. It's reverence. Respect, honor to God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, as if you were submitted to Jesus. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything in everything it says now those verses again they sound scary they sound scary to be submissive to be submissive under somebody who I cannot trust you may say wife but the gentle submission of a wife does not mean the wife is inferior to the husband. It has to do with order and authority, not evaluation or not worth, meaning that you're worth less. But when you evaluate it, you're again, you're less. That's not what it means. My wife has taught me over the years, and she actually verbalized this one time or a few times, but she has taught me that her being under the submission of me, her husband, I'm like an umbrella. She's under an umbrella because while she submits, willingly submits to me, as we just read in everything, she's covered by the umbrella because if I made a mistake, if I disobey God, if I sin against God and I ask her to do certain things, then you know what? She was obedient to me. I am the one, the husband is the one who has to answer to Jesus Christ because she's protected under that umbrella. Daughter, my daughter, me, God, the Father telling the you wife, 
you were submissive to your husband. Now, that doesn't mean that even if, if it is something that goes against God's will, when you know it's against God's will, or the Bible, something embarrassing, something horrible, obviously you should not submit. Meaning something that, you, that he tells you to do something illegal, something degrading, something that goes against God's word. That's what I mean. But as long as you submit to your husband, and you, even though you know that that decision is going to bring consequences, you're obedient. You're obedient, and now the husband has to deal with Jesus himself. Back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Keep reading uh, verse 3. It says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. We could sit here, you know, hours on and, and speak about what is appropriate clothing. What is, you know, is it too revealing? Is it too tight? Is it, you know, the wrong color? Is it something that your husband dislikes and so on and so on? But really that's between you, your husband and Jesus. You, especially if you're married. Now, if you're not married, future wife, that's between you and Jesus. Lord, is this appropriate? Is this too revealing? Is it too tight? Am I going to make somebody stumble? And yes, because I've heard this being said before. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasing my husband. He likes this clothing. Oh, oh, and, 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 you know, if somebody else, even if they're not believers, I make them fall, that's not my responsibility. That's their lust, right? The whole ministry of Jesus Christ is surrounded and connected to others, thinking about others first before us. And this goes back to you. If you're being submissive to what your husband says, I like the way those, those clothing look. And you know it's too provocative. You know it's a sin to you who knows a sin that does not obey, now you're condemned. Not condemned going to hell, but now you're the one being judged by Jesus. Now you're in defiance to the Lord. It's very critical. It's a very touchy subject that we're covering. That's why I say it's between you, your husband, and Jesus. What kind of clothing? How tight? How revealing? What color and so on and so on. That's between you, your husband, and Jesus. Now, the word here, adornment or adorning, is the Greek word cosmos with the K cosmos, which in the English translation is called the ordered universe, where we also derive the word cosmetic, cosmetics, makeup, outer beauty. That word is also the opposite of the word chaos. 
So in other words, there's an order to things, right? God is a God of order and not of confusion. We know this. Many, many years ago, this is way before I was, before I got saved. We still lived in California. And I used to call myself a religious person because I would go on Sundays to church, to the local church down the street, right? But most of the people that I would see there, that was part of that too. It was all about, you know, how well they dressed, what kind of name brand they're wearing, what kind of boots, what kind of shoes, what kind of hats they're wearing today, you know, how much makeup are they wearing this time. It was all about looks. It, that's what it was. And to some, it was to the point of how much or actually how little fabric can I wear and still get away with it. Now, it is good that you, the wife, will upkeep your outer beauty. Just don't overdo it and end up looking like a graffiti wall. You know, too much makeup. There's times when I've seen people, and I'm not talking bad about them, but I've seen young ladies, older ladies too, that you can see like the makeup is so thick that you can go with their, you know, sometimes I feel like, oh, can I just do that? Scrape it with my nail off of their face, too much makeup. I used to, and I can talk about her because she's not present. I used to have, why well, I have a cousin who way back, way back when the first Joker, this is BC, before I got saved, the first Joker movie came out, not the Joker, Batman movie, Joker. Remember, he's got the white face. I used to call her Joker because she would put, she's already light-skinned and she put up so much makeup that she looked pale and then she would wear, wear red lipstick. Uh, I'm hoping she's not listening or she won't watch this video, but I mean, I told her the truth. You do look like way, that way. Now, when I met my wife for the first time, the first time I saw her, she was not wearing makeup. And she looked so beautiful, like I said, because I've said I fell in love at first sight. As a matter of fact, when she came out of her house, where she was staying, living at the time, she was brushing her teeth. She was coming out and brushing her teeth. But I saw her, it was like I saw angels around her. Oh. But she was not wearing makeup. And she still looks beautiful to this day. You know, yes, she does put on some makeup, sometimes even for special occasions. She, she does it a little bit. But she has never overdone it. She has never overdone it. So it is not, it's, I mean, it's not, Peter is not prohibiting women from, from doing that, putting on makeup. It says, let your beauty adore, adorn you with your conduct, with your speech, the beauty of Jesus Christ in you, spilling out of you. That's what he's talking about. Again, it doesn't mean that because you think, okay, well, the Lord is in me. This also doesn't mean because the Lord is in me, I'm beautiful on the inside. You're going to be walking around, you know, wearing chanclas and, and wearing boo-boos and wearing your hair all crazy like some of you know who this is, like Chimostrufia, you know, crazy hair. No, that is not what it means. Especially now because, well, I think the 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 beauty salons and 
those those spots are open now, but you you, have, you can have the excuse of saying, well, you know, they're not open, so how am I going to get my hair did? How am I going to get my nails did? No, take care of yourselves, yes, but don't go too far to one extreme or to the other extreme. Now, also, your clothing again, going back to the clothing, be considerate of others when you do go out in public. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4 says, The wife's body does not belong only to her, it also belongs to her husband. The husband and the wife's, you know, their intimacy is just for that, for them, one another, husband and wife. Not public. That's between you and your husband and what the Lord allows you in your intimacy. Not to show it off everywhere. Again, Peter is not saying that the wife should neglect her physical appearance. Nor is he saying that is that she is to have a major in, in fashion, right? That's not what he's saying. Vogue magazine is that even still? Yes, that's still in circulation. I see. I see. Vogue magazine. You shouldn't be looking at that and saying that's what I want to look, and then paint your face. I should say, be moderate. Wearing jewelry, he did not prohibit that. He just saying, don't overdo it. Don't be a godly display of, of such. In, in other words, too much. Now Peter says to the woman, have or to the wife, have a quiet spirit. Ladies, having a quiet spirit does not mean that you do not have a voice, or that you don't have an opinion, or that you simply are to be quiet and just do as I say. Meaning the husband telling you. Rather, and actually there will be many times where you're going to have to bite your tongue. And rather than saying, blurring something like, it's getting on my nerves. Quiet spirit means that you come before the Lord and pray even more for your husband. And let the Lord deal with him, especially if he is a believer. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Abraham, him, Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Again, not being in fear or terrified. Whose daughters you are. If you do good, that's what it's saying. If you do good, you are of, of the daughters of Sarah. Now, you may say, whoa, pastor, you mean to say that I'm going to be, to be submissive to my husband and call him my husband Lord? No, that's not what we're saying. I mean, that's up to you if you do want to call him Lord, and that's lowercase Lord, not uppercase Lord as our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, I heard somebody knocking outside. Peter used to use uh, Sarah's example. I said here in this manner or in this way, the manner we just covered and also being under the example of Jesus Christ, being submissive in the manner. Now, 
Abraham was called out of a pagan family, an idol-worshipping family, and they used to worship different gods, little g. So when God called him, the true God called Abraham, go to a land that I will show you in the book and in the Old Testament. He, Abraham, came to his wife, Sarah, and said, hey, honey, the Lord is speaking to me. Or the God, God is speaking to me and he wants us to go somewhere. And Sarah might have said, okay, what God? Right? Because they used to worship several gods. What God? And he would say, well, the true God. We're going to go on a road trip. And she would ask, where to? I don't know. He just said, go. Now, Sarah had to have been trusting of the true God. Because she was submissive. Yes, she made many mistakes. We know that we learned that as we read their story. And so did Abraham. As a matter of fact, Abraham made her, or actually asked her to lie, because he didn't put a gun or at the time a spear to Sarah's head and say, you have to lie for me. Twice he lied or made her lie, saying that she was his sister, which was a partial truth. A partial truth is still a lie because they were still related to a degree. Remember, God back then was trying to populate the, the, the earth. So it was permissible then to marry close relatives. Now he did this twice again, and he, Abraham, now following the true God, was rebuked by an unbelieving king. And because Sarah was submissive, to Abraham, but God had to come back and say, you, Abraham, you disobeyed. Why would you make your wife lie? So it is not okay to lie for your husband. It is not okay to do something illegal and say, well, I'm going to be covered under my, my husband's or, or the Lord's umbrella because my husband told me to do it. No, that's not what this passage is saying. Now, Sarah at the time, because this is the reason why, and it's not being justified, she was about 70 and 80 years old later when she lied because she was very beautiful. And Abraham said, they're going to kill me because the king wants to have you as a wife. 70 and 80 later on years old, and she was so beautiful. That's why she was noticed right away. Beautiful because she had the beauty of Jesus. Well, they didn't know Jesus, but because they had, she had the beauty of God inside of her. And she was being submissive to her husband. But the beauty of God was inside her. Now, you may say, Pastor, my husband, he is not Abraham. He claims to be saved, but his actions, his daily actions show otherwise. We argue all the time. He ridicules me in front of others. He doesn't stand up for me when we're with his family. He allows these things to, these people to insult me. He expects horrendous things out of me. How can I trust that God is working to him? How can I even submit to someone like that and still reverence him? It's Lord, little G, I mean, uh, little L. I've had this conversation 
with several people uh, in similar situations where the wife is just about had it. You know, pastor, I, I need to. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm not divorcing him. I'm not doing that, but I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I can't. We can't keep being together like this. Unless, let me say something, unless there is biblical grounds and that is either physical abuse, verbal abuse, any type of abuse, unless it's some kind of abuse or infidelity. Otherwise, unless these two things are happening, if you wife say, you know what, I'm not divorcing him, but I'm leaving, then you are being in sin. Again, I've had this conversation with wives who've done this. Not divorcing him, I just can't live with him anymore. And they've justified it. Nowhere in scripture will you find something like that. Other than if you wife with your husband, and I suggest do this with the mediator, come to an agreeable period of time to say, you know what, we need some time apart, and it has to be under something, not under, but in between somebody who is a mediator and somebody who is going to be keeping an eye on each other. In other words, coming into an agreement. Other than that, don't do it, wife. Don't do it, husband. Don't push your wife to do this, husband. It is not her fault. Yes, she has a responsibility to take upon some of this. But it's you, husband, especially if you're saved. Now, the reason I say this is because wife, again, what Peter already said, for to this you were called. If you disobey, then you're in sin. Husbands, I will get to you next week more in detail about submitting and loving your wife, not pushing her to this. But you first need to submit to Jesus. So that your wife can trust your authority, not your dictatorship, your authority given to you by Jesus. Now, wife, and I don't have much time left, but you, wife, there are boundaries that you, wife, need to revisit if you have heard these words before, if you're not aware of the boundaries that you can set whether it is with extended family, whether it is with your children, whether it is with your husband. Boundaries mean that you have control. Nobody can force you. Nobody can control you. You, and this goes for everybody, this kind of boundary, this goes for everybody. How much am I going to allow my husband to tell me? How much am I going to allow my extended family to dictate it in my relationships? Excuse me. How close? God is the one who created these boundaries. Because he's the one who, who set the boundaries for the waters. How far can the waters come you know, to shore? How close can the sun get to the earth? He set up these boundaries. He set up the boundaries between the earth and the expanse of the sky. So you, wife, you need to look into these boundaries. Yes, you have control. And, and when you lose your temper, when you, and this goes again for everybody, not just the wife, when you say, you know what, I've had it, I've had it, because he made me do it, she made me do it, nobody makes you do anything. 
Nobody made you angry. Nobody made you throw or punch or do anything. You chose to take that action. So you set those boundaries. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up Henry Cloud. Look up who Henry Cloud is. You have an idea what I'm talking about, boundaries. Now, speaking of Henry Cloud, he said, boundaries allow you to take control of your life and not life controlling you. Again, wife, to this you are called, and I'm speaking to the wife right now. Husbands, I'll get to you. To this you are called to allow the Lord to reach your husband, whether, especially if he is not saved by your chaste or your pure conduct, reverencing to the Lord, so that he can see that your pure conduct, he may be won over to the Lord, or to those who claim to be saved, you, wife, through Jesus' guidance in your life, the Holy Spirit speaking and guiding you, so that he can become the husband that he is supposed to be. Yes, it's going to be very frustrating. Yes, but you're not alone. You're not alone. Though we cannot gather right now, we can still pick up the phones. We can still pick up the phone and text somebody, call somebody. Hey, you can go online and Zoom with somebody, with a brethren, somebody who is wise, not just to spill you know, your spiel about how much you hate your husband. No. That's one thing. Do not, do not speak wrongful about your husband to others in public. Because, and I'm not justifying the husband because that's just going to make him act out more. That is not giving you permission either, husband. So, call somebody wife. If you have questions, Call one of the elders' wives. Call my wife. Text. Don't just feel like you're out there on your own. Because the, the enemy looks for those who are out there by themselves. Like the gazelles and the deer who are out there in, in the wilderness. He looks for the ones who are trailing behind. The least unsuspecting, the weaker ones. Then he attacks. He's not looking for the ones who are gathered together. He's not looking the, the, the prey, the enemy. Yes, he might go in there in between all of them and spin his tail and, and cause some kind of chaos, but because they're together, they hold on to each other, as opposed to the ones that are by themselves, you know, isolated by themselves with no one that they turn to. Seek help. If you feel that you cannot come to an agreement with your husband. Don't stay out there by yourselves. And, and above all, seek him. Seek him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, thanking you, first of all, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done, Lord. Thanking you, Lord, because you didn't leave us as orphans alone out here, Lord. You've given us the body, Lord, to reach out. You've given us your word. Father, I pray, Lord, 
speaking on behalf of the wives, and I know I don't speak for everybody, Lord. I pray that with their submissive, gentle spirit, Lord, that they may be the example to their husbands, and not just their husbands, Lord, but also to everybody that is watching, Lord, this unbelieving world, Lord, that we live in. As well, Lord Jesus, let the husbands open up the eyes of the husbands to see the submissiveness and the gentle spirit, your spirit, in their wives, Lord. Lord, I pray that you move mightily in these marriages, Lord. For it is in your name that we pray. And everyone said in agreement. Again, I want to hear you down the street. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope to see you very, very soon.
I try.